This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit lizbruner.com and take your skills to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I am so excited for you to meet today's guest. He is a world-renowned, award-winning chef whom you may have seen on the Food Network, on PBS, or maybe even on an airplane flight. His Asian-inspired East Meets West cuisine and love of cooking started at a young age alongside his parents in their family-owned restaurant. I'm also honored to call him a friend. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show. It's so great to see you, Liz. I mean, it's been a long time, period. Been a long time period for everyone to get connected, indeed. Ming, anytime anyone may Google you, what I love is that you are called a celebrity chef. (laughs) And he's smiling. And you never planned to be on TV. How did that happen? Yeah, so first... Let's clear this out. <laughs> yes, what? <laughs> Matt Damon is not a celebrity actor, right? Tom Brady is not a celebrity quarterback. He's a quarterback and he's an actor. I'm a chef. So th- the <laughs> fact that they have to put celebrity in front of you, uh, it cheapens it actually, right? Aww. Most of us just rather be called, oh, he's a cook. That's what we'd rather be called. Rather than chef? Because that means we're still cooking. Oh. Celebrity chef implies, oh, he has a TV show and he's just prancing around, right? I do do some prancing, Liz, of course, but <laughs> on my own time. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind being called chef, but if you're called a cook's cook, that's the best compliment you can give a chef. But how did you end up on TV? So that, because that so was not your goal. That was not my goal. There used to be a show called Dining Around. Alan Richmond and Nina Griscom had this early, early Food Network, like second year, first, first year Food Network, actually. Turned out that show was a travel show, three chefs in a half an hour, it was their talent search show. They didn't tell you that. Oh. And so I was in Santa Fe, and it was the first time I was on TV, and I remember my exact words. As you know, I'm kind of a smartass. <laughs> no, and, I didn't and, know that about and you And I looked at, all. at the camera and says, hi, I'm Ming Tsai. I was born Chinese. I'm still Chinese. And today we're cooking lamb. So that's what I said. And the producer actually chuckled. And the fact that a chef was even attempting to be funny uh, they liked. He says, hey, come back and do Ready, Set, Cook. So I did this cook, you know, the cooking contest with Susan Lee. I hammed it up. I threw tomatoes at the audience, right? Because I knew this is like, look, if I can, and I enjoyed it, right? I mean, I do not not like the limelight. I like teaching, and that's why I like my cooking show. I kept being asked back. I became the local Asian expert, if you would, for Chinese New Year came by. They would ask me on. Then finally, I did this cooking live show that Sarah Moulton used to do, and I took over for a week. And they loved that. And then eventually I got East Meets West. And then the rest of the city. And I was so lucky. It was, I was the right cuisine. They had no other Asians then, right? It was, it was Emerald, Bobby, Mario, and David Rosengarten, basically, were the original, right? Yeah. For the record, we all rode Emerald's train. Uh, Emerald yeah. was still Emerald Lagasse is who you're yeah, talking Emerald about. Emerald Lagasse is, is the god, still is. And, you know, he added BAM, he added music, right? He had Doc playing the music, he added fun to food, and he got people in America to, well, wow, I can cook food too. And we all just jumped on his train, and yeah, I guess the rest is history. But the reason I love doing my show is I get to teach. I get to help hopefully one person, like, that's how you do bell pepper, or I didn't realize you needed to heat the pan first, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Because if you can cook more at home, you're going to eat better. That's true. That's and, very and, true. And I'm sure we'll get to this, but you know, my whole thing and my my newest company, it is about what you eat. You are what you eat. Yeah. And and if you're cooking it, you then know what you are eating. 
you've described yourself as a good Chinese boy. Hmm. And maybe you were expected to be a lawyer or a doctor, but your parents actually said, hey, you can be anything you want to be. Why did you not initially follow that passion of cooking and instead you went to Yale and you studied mechanical engineering? Yeah, correct. Um, <laughs> and proudly graduated with a degree. Excellent. So, um, you know, I, again, the good Chinese boy was that doctoral engineer. And, and I did love science and math. So uh, I do everything gung ho. So, you know, once I was at Yale, I'm like, look, let's do engineering. But I was already cooking. I already cooked yeah. at my mom's restaurant two years. I was going every summer to Paris to master French, yes. going to Alliance Francaise, because you have to speak French to work in France. I uh, did apprenticeships at a boulangerie. Then after this, the summer of junior year, I went to Cordon Bleu. And I went to the chef school. And that's when I learned, like, damn, the French can cook, too. So <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I called it Chinese cuisine, French-Chinese. Thank God that name didn't stick, right? <laughs> it's East-West, right? It's, a, it's, you know, it's a blending of cuisines, techniques, and ingredients. And I immediately, like, I had that epiphany once I realized this whole side of Western cooking. I'm like, oh, I'm going to blend these. I'm going to do this. So I literally that summer came back to my senior year. Because I went so fast, I was almost done with my major, which was awesome. I had a whole spring term of just electives. I sat my parents down. And if you've seen my mom on my show, she's very bully and gregarious. I said, look, guys, I don't want to be an engineer. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get the degree. But I want to go cook in Paris. I want to go move to Paris in two weeks. And after I graduate, and my mom gives me a huge hug, says, oh, you're so lucky, son. You know, you're, you're, you're passionate already. Just promise to give 110%. Holy support you. Huge hug. My dad is a rocket scientist, literally, right? He's, he just got proudly his, I think, fourth patent on this thing he's called been a double. NASA, Ferrari. I mean, he's Everyone. got the whole list. I mean, yeah. he's 92 and works full time. Wow. Full time in Hawaii. He lives in, he's at Kahalanui. Oh. He's developed something called a double-double, which is laminating the graphite that you can control and taper it so it's going to be lighter and stronger. It's, it's, he's amazing. He's my full inspiration. So I look at him, like, Dad, he goes, son, you weren't going to be a very good engineer anyway. Go cook. <laughs> like, oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks, okay, Dad. Dad. <laughs> but his point is so, it's so poignant. If you don't love what you do, there's no chance of being good at it. Well, besides the engineering DNA not falling far from the tree, you actually use that to create kitchen equipment and design kitchen Absolute, equipment. So it's yeah. not, no knowledge it, is ever it, wasted. It did come full circle because <laughs> look, PV equals NRT. So physics applies to cooking. So it, it was important. You eventually come back to the United States and you get your master's in hotel administration, hospitality. When did you know, Ming, that you were ready to open your own restaurant? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, this, and for people that are thinking of opening their own restaurant, yeah. I, I, would, I would heed this advice. Do it with other people's money first, right? <laughs> that's good advice. So work for a large restaurant company or work for a hotel company. So I, I luckily, after Cornell, uh, I hooked up with the, the Intercontinental Hotel Company and opened two hotels in Chicago, the Intercontinental and the Forum on Michigan Avenue. They're still there. And we opened four restaurants. I was assistant F&B, right? The worst job possible at $28,000. If something happened in the food and beverage department, I wasn't there, it was my fault, right? I mean, we were talking, I worked like 32 days straight, closed the cafe, the bar at like one, opened it at 5.30. It was ridiculous. But you learned a lot because the cream rises to the top. So my first recommendation is use other people's money. So work for someone else, but do openings. Because when you do openings, if you're good, you rise. If you're not, it's just kind of like during COVID, you froze or you rose, right? Yeah. So during an opening, you rise or you don't. And you learn so much more during the opening. So I opened four different restaurants. 
did the wine list, did everything, did all the hiring, the firing, just learning as much as I could, getting all my rookie mistakes. Like I, I spent like $100,000 on wine. It wasn't my money. That was so stupid because I, I, I knew wine well. I knew what I liked, but I didn't do a balanced wine list. It, was, it really was a, it just was a, Ming's yeah, list. It wasn't the, yeah, it the was, hotel it was. list. It's like, dude, I look at all these great Pinot Noirs, but you know, not everyone likes Pinot. So anyway, my point is I did not spend 100K on wine when I opened Blue Ginger, right? Uh, so I got all my rookie mistakes out, and, and I saw all the problems that happened when you opened hotels, why they were delayed, why they went over costs and all this. It's because mm. it's, it's communication. People weren't on it. So when I opened Blue Dra you know, Ginger and Dragon, I'm there every day during build-out because there's always problems that happen. Like, no, put the sink over there since you found the piping there. Or, yeah, don't do square, uh, do a square booth, not a round booth because a round booth costs 4X, things like that. Mm -hmm. And make your rookie mistakes with other people's money. Then do it yourself. Then do it yourself. Yep. And you did. You opened Blue Ginger in Wellesley, which was one of my favorites, the Butterfish. Oh, my God. You have to teach me how to make that. <laughs> you, you can come to Montana. Okay, now. I can come to Montana. You also owned Blue Dragon in the Seaport area. Yep. Sadly, both of those restaurants are now closed. Blue Dragon shuttered because of COVID. Correct. And the restaurant industry, Ming, hit so hard. What do you think the future is in, yeah, in like the next six months or even a year from now? It's a great poignant question. I mean, first of all, where's COVID going? Yeah, we don't right? know. So, so that's the variable that none of us know. Because this winter, when we all go back indoors in New England, if you're in California and Miami, I think you're probably okay because mm -hmm. you're still dining outside. But you have to dine inside. So if COVID's at bay, the restaurant industry will come back. The ones that are closed, like Blue Jet, we're closed. We're not reopening, right? So, you know, they, they estimated we lost 10 to 20% of restaurants. And a lot of them, unfortunately, were the mom and pops, the immigrants, the BIPOC community restaurants, because they don't have four months of extra rent in savings. The restaurants are one week at a time. Mm -hmm. And when you have something like COVID hit, I didn't sleep literally for five weeks when COVID was first, when we first closed Blue Dragon, because bluntly, six, eight of my people were not getting any assistance from the government. They were under the radar. And that's every restaurant. Yeah, right? Every restaurant has we, that we happen. Have, exactly. We, we have all these immigrants that, that, of course, should be legal, should be in the system, but they're not. And there's not a landscaper and a restaurant in this country that does not have people they're using to help them survive. But those poor people got no assistance. So once the money ran out, they still had three kids. COVID was rampant. The only thing that us chefs could do, and we did, I mean, I know Ken Orangerton and Michelle, we all just, what can we do? And we just start cooking for the people that are less fortunate. And fortunately with Jamaica Me Crazy, um, we got to borrow his food truck and we brought food to East Boston, where a lot mm -hmm. of our crew was, and a lot of the Hispanic community that literally had, were running out of money. It was just, it was a horrible position to be in. And mm. we got some hope of at least providing some food, including providing diapers and formula and dried rice and dried beans so you can actually cook at home. And nothing, nothing is more nurturing than actually cooking yourself. So, so we tried to, you know, get that whole population through. And and not just me, but a lot of us did that. And and we think, again, if COVID stays at bay, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm, it's going to so. be different. I, I tell you, the, I think we lost maybe 15 to 20% of restaurant employees permanently. They front of house, either found new jobs, selling, doing things online. Uh, a lot of um, people in the kitchen went to construction work. Construction's going crazy. <laughs> they realized... I don't want my whole life to be restaurant industry working for 15 bucks an hour. So there's this whole discussion about everyone should be able to raise two kids, raise a family on a, 
on a restaurant wage. And although I agree everyone should have the ability to do that, what I struggle with is, you know, a McDonald's job when I was growing up was a teenager's job, right? That was a job to make eight bucks an hour to just make enough money. But, but in my head, it was not to raise two kids on a McDonald's, no offense to McDonald's, but th those are starter jobs, so to speak. And look, I'm so lucky. I'm blessed. I was educated. I had parents that loved me. I, I had so much more than, than most. I know that. But you can't pay 25, 20 bucks an hour to restaurant employees, dishwashers on up, because then the restaurants won't make it. So then they close. And what you also can't do is charge, you know, $40 for a salad or a bowl of soup to cover the cost if you're paying employees 20 bucks an hour because customers won't take that. So that, it's that a balancing act of everything, which is, which is why your question is so poignant. So there is a, the middle road. There is a place that we will end up and there's still going to be super high end restaurants because the rich will stay rich. I think the mid tier restaurants are going to suffer. I think the ones that, that people would before go out twice a week, they actually realize because people are cooking at home, grocery stores went up 40% across the country. So people are realizing, you know, this sushi is almost as good, if not as good as the restaurant down the road. You know, just by cooking this, oh my God, we're saving so much money. So I do think people may be going out less and that stinks for us, us restaurateurs yeah. as well. Yeah. Who knows, but I, but I do hope it, it will normalize. The restaurants that are closed are not gonna come back. There are new concepts opening though too, right? Look, Daniel Baloud was with part of Spice at Robotic Restaurant. Sweet Greens just bought out. So robotics may, may come into play. These semi-prepared, I know of a business that has food trucks going to go around New York City that a really delicious meal sous vide within 10 minutes to your door. So there are new companies that are coming up, as there always are. For me, the struggle is, the, is the, really the immigrant BIPOC community restaurants that are run by mom and pop and son and daughter. If that closes, their whole system closes, their yeah. whole ecosystem closes. So it's not <sighs> easy. Not easy at all. No. You still have one restaurant in Montana, Baba at the Yellowstone Club. I do. Yeah, thank <laughs> and God. you also have Ming's Bings, and you're yes. wearing your Ming Bing t-shirt. Yes, I sleep in it. You sleep in it. <laughs> and, and you call this uh, healthy Chinese street food or yep. a, a hot pocket, if you will. Right. What's the backstory on how you came up with these? First of all, a Bing is a real dim sum item. Right. right. It's it's they, it's actually it, that's a real Chinese yeah, term. It's a Chinese dim sum. <laughs> and 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 both in China and Taiwan they serve bings on the street. They're usually hockey puck shaped, round. They're like a pot sticker wrapper, that type of dough, filled with juicy pork. They're delicious. We call them Ming's Bings because well it rhymes with my name. So that's perfect. <laughs> the um, backstory is and this story ends up super happy, but it was literally four years ago my my wife just out of the blue diagnosed with stage four. And we're like, what is this? And stage four lung cancer. Stage four lung cancer, yep. And uh, she's 100% healthy now, so Thank know that. Thank you. Through all our research, she was already a pescatarian, as am I. I mean, I'll, you know, if I'm, at, if I'm at a steakhouse with the boys, I'll eat a ribeye bone in, of course. But in general at home, we're vegan, vegetarian, right? I do like my cheese, so I'm not quite vegan. But we decided, she decided, we decided collectively that she should go vegan. All the research, eliminate sugar, cancer feeds on sugar, try to eliminate, which means go gluten-free because gluten is infl inflammatory. Although Bob, our sourdough starter, was born during the pandemic, so we were not gluten-free all the time because <laughs> Bob was around. She was having a little thing with Bob. That's okay. I'm good with Bob. Actually, I, I actually burned and incinerated 
Bob by mistake when we brought Jeez. Bob back to Boston and she usually puts a post on the oven. Bob's in the oven, didn't put it on. So I preheated the oven. I started, oh, what is that? I, I killed Bob. I, I, I baked Bob, the starter. You better clarify what Bob is. Yeah, Bob is a sourdough starter. Okay, let's just, just make sure that people it's know. flour and water. Yeah, Bob is not a human Okay, being. thank you. But emotionally, it was quite emotional. Oh, sorry, geez. sorry, Bob, I'm sorry. Um, she was actually, she, she, my wife actually said, you know, I'm kind of tired of Bob anyway. So that was good. Anyway, by going vegan, I'm like, okay, well, I was traveling a lot pre-COVID. Let's go shopping. Let's go to the veggie patty section. Let's see what I can get her that she can easily prepare when I'm not around. Because obviously when I'm around, I cook for her. No offense to these veggie patties, but they're all the same. They're all dried hockey puck things that are emulsified chickpeas or edamames, all pureed. And you need lettuce and tomato and avocado and a bun to eat them. They're just and not. And mayo. <laughs> and mayo. They're just not yeah. easy to eat. They're, no kid likes them. They're disgusting. Even as a chef, when we all try to make our own veggie patties in restaurants and we did a bean puree there, they're always mushy. They're never very good. So I'm like, you know what? I'm smart enough. Let's figure this out. Let's reverse the paradigm. Let's put the emulsification on the outside and make it gluten-free. So I developed this brown rice wrapper that uh, it's like it's as crispy as a lumpia wrapper. And let's just put delicious filling inside. Mm. But let's go plant-based. I did a blind tasting of all the impossible beyond uh, uncut, which is I ended up choosing. Oh, there's 10 of them. No, there's, there's 50 of them, but 40 of them literally look and taste like dog food, right? They're so bad. But the top 10 are all pretty good. So I did a blind tasting, uncut one, hands down. They do a chorizo, they do a sausage, a spicy Italian, they do a burger, really good. And they, they have the shortest list and they're GMO-free soybeans. So I went with uncut. So we created these Ming's Bings. The first original, my still my favorite, is eight super veg. So literally, you are what you eat. Watercress, uh, six times the vitamin C of oranges, uh, GMO-free edamames and pepitas. So it's nut-free, peanut-free, and tree nut-free. Garlic, ginger, onions are all natural antioxidants, and shiitake mushrooms, which build your immune system. So a perfect bite that is really good for you, wrapped in a gluten-free wrapper. That's the original bang. But in the last year, we've launched four other flavors. So now we have a cheeseburger bang using the uncut, a sausage and pepper, which we sold a ton of at Fenway. Uh, we are now, by the way, at the Garden. So yes, we're the fourth TD Garden. Floor. We're TD Garden mm -hmm. for all Celtics and Bruins game. Go C's, go B's, um, and some concerts. The 8 p.m. concerts were not because people ate dinner, right? But we have a sausage and pepper, we have a cheeseburger, we have a buffalo cauliflower, and we have a fiesta made with chorizo. So all of these, uh, and for the home, super easy to cook. Do you have an air fryer? I don't. Okay. <laughs> air fryer, 16 minutes or 20 minutes in a sheet tray or saute pan. They come pre-dipped in oil. So I thought, I really thought about what is going to be the easiest for the home cook. So pre-dipped in oil, so you add nothing. You put them in a cold pan or a cold sheet tray, 425 on or medium heat. After 10, 12 minutes, the oil exudes out. It gets crispy. You flip it, crispy again after another 10, pat it on paper towel, down the hatch. You're making me hungry. Listen to that. And you also have this new tea called Be Kind. It's a green tea with lychee and wild chrysanthemum. Yeah. So my buddy Michael Harney of Harney and Sons Tea, he and I partnered with this. This was, again, during this, this whole world pandemic, we were in Montana and there's crazy Asian hate phenomena started surfacing. Uh, look, the black community has been doing this for generations, <laughs> generations and <laughs> yeah. generations. And obviously during the Asian Exclusion Act, and we've had, us Asians have had challenges in this country as well, uh, but never has, and I don't, this has just destroyed me, how anyone could push over anyone old from behind 
to hurt them is just beyond me. I don't care if they're Asian or black, Latino, gay, straight. It doesn't matter. You don't push old people over. What culture does not respect the elders? There's not one. So where are you from? Are you not from this planet that you're pushing over old people? It's just, it's, it's, I mean, and get spit on because you're Asian? I mean, are you kidding me? Right? I mean, you know why, right? Asian hate, this whole right. thing. Asian flu, I don't need to get into why. But... But this, the proceeds from this Teague... All the proceeds are benefiting uh, the charities that are fighting this crazy Asian hate. That's excellent. Thanks, Ming. I'm so lucky I have a platform yes. to, to at least try to, to help. And during this whole pandemic, I've been saying this and I, I'll say it again. I, if the kindness curve of us humans can be steeper than the COVID curve, then we got this. But we have to stop hating each other. We're so divisive now in this country that you could be next to your neighbors and you won't even talk to them. You mm. won't even look at them because you hate them so much. That's going to really percolate and escalate to something really bad that this country does not want. So we all need to just take a chill pill, myself included, <laughs> and, and just get rid of the hatred and just show kindness. Mm -hmm. I just think if we can be kinder to especially strangers... You can wake up today and decide, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to open a door for my man or a woman, doesn't matter who. I'm going to buy a coffee with the person behind me. I'm going to let someone go in front of me driving, whatever. But if How about just a smile? That, How about just a smile? In Montana, they're so friendly. When I first moved to Montana, uh, I'm there about half the time. People are waving to me. I'm like, what's wrong with them? What, <laughs> what are they waving at? But everyone's waving. Just driving by and they're waving. They're, they're like, just, hi, Ming. They're just, they know what you are. They're just, everyone just waves because they're kind. It's crazy. It's awesome. Well, you have done a lot of virtual cooking classes, which I know is a huge challenge. It's another subject for another day. You have five cookbooks. I have one of them. I love them. You've wrapped up your 18th season of yep. Simply Ming, and you have a couple of new shows in the works. I know they're all top secret, but what can you tell us, and no, when I can can't. we look forward to them? Even uh, a tidbit. I can't. There's you something. have two shows, there's, yes? There's, you have there's two. one show okay. that involves food that will launch Q2 okay. on a major platform. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. That's a tease, folks. That's what we call that's a tease. A, that, that's all I can say. It's already in the can. So okay. It's, it's been shot. And there's another show that we are currently selling that also involves food. Okay. But I can't really say what it is because it's, I think, a really good idea. And I just don't want to okay. say it yet. But I will tell you, Liz Bruner, as soon as I know it's a green lit, you'll be the first call. I'll let you know. I'm holding you to that. <laughs> but look, can, I, can I finish one thought about Ming's Bings? That, that yes. I, the one thing I, I love about them is, first, they're delicious, right? Because they have to taste good. So our motto is, taste good, feel good. And they feel good because if you believe in science, eating plant-based is better for your body, right? And if you also believe in science, it's better for the planet, right? A little less meat consumption, less water, less methane gas, you know the whole routine. So taste good, feel good, and also do good. Because some proceeds of the sale of Ming's Bings benefit both Dana-Farber, mm -hmm. which saved not only my wife's life, but my CEO's life, Steve, and Family Reach. And you know about Family Reach, we financially help families with cancer. And it's my 10-year anniversary with them, and mm -hmm. I proudly have raised, um, we've actually just broke $10 million wow. um, through my cooking live events, through cooking and bringing people together and making people aware that cancer is still the number one cause of 
bankruptcy for families in this country. Our system's broke, right? We should have national health care, and I can't fix that, right? I'm a cook. But what we can do is the ones that, are, that do need the help not only can get their rent paid and, and hopefully their, their car paid, because if you're immunocompromised and going to therapy, you know, the mom or the dad quits mm-hmm. work, your income's halved. Uh, you go bankrupt so fast. You're in the 1%, the last thing in your mind is I'm going to lose my house. But the other 99%, it's a real... I mean, we, we hear stories of people getting $1.2 million bills from the hospital. Like, I make $58,000. What, what am I supposed to do with this? I mean, literally getting these bills. So like, there's more zeros than I've ever seen. So that system is broke. But I'm so proud that Ming's Beans can help both these great organizations. Extraordinary work. Really wonderful. Congratulations. And thank you for all of that. You've won a lot of awards, including the James Beard Award. You've won an Emmy for your East Meets West show. Is there one award that means more to you than another, if you had to pick one? No, a, a great chef friend of mine once said, and it's very astute, he goes, you know, awards are awesome when you win them. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's over and done. <laughs> next like, meal. Next meal, right? Because, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I think the James Beard, because it's voted by your peers, Right, all of us chefs vote for the where that probably means the most. That in my peers' eyes, I deserve that award. So I think of all of them because the other ones are whatever. I mean, look, when I won the Emmy, it's absurd. <laughs> it was Julia Child, Martha Stewart, Bob Vila, Nye, the science guy, and me. I'm like, oh, it's nice being nominated. I had no chance. What, Julia, Martha? I had no chance. And I say this. I think they needed an Asian card. They had to play the Asian card. They needed to th- throw some diversity in there. So let's give Ming a bone. I think that's what happened. Absolutely. 100%. Because, come on, those, those are, this is my first season on TV. First. Well, you it's are crazy. a natural. You are a celebrity yeah, show after okay. all. I know, apparently. I'm all right, a, lightning uh, round of questions. Go. What's your favorite dish? Peking duck. Ooh. Who is your favorite? Yeah, that's tea-smoked Peking duck. The one I do at yes. Baba, which you'll in come Baba in Yellowstone. Yes. Yes. Who is your favorite chef? Oh, I know. I'm going to make God, this hard on you. That's brutal. <laughs> Alive or dead? Okay. Uh, favorite Boston chef, Ken Oranger. Favorite Asian chef, Ting San and Joanne Chang, because uh, she does amazing cinnamon buns. Uh, <laughs> it's not Asian, best, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not Asian. No, 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 not at all. But she is. Joanne's been uh, on the show. Yeah, if anybody hasn't good. listened she's to her podcast, she's a microbiologist from Harvard, so <laughs> yes. she's all screwed up, like me. Um, best cook, my father. Opens a fridge, can cook the Dickens. Chefs up in heaven, Joel Robuchon, mm-hmm. probably one of the finest ever to grace this planet. Thomas Keller, living with Grant Akez are the two of the best. But then Jose Andres. And the list goes on, man. He's a living legend (laughs) because he has fed millions and millions of people through World Central Kitchen. So, you know. All right. A last lightning round question. What are the three ingredients we all need to have in our pantry to make good Asian cuisine? Mm. M, S, and G. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Although, for the record. It's not bad for you. Yeah, yeah. No, for the record, MSG is no worse than salt. And you use less of it than salt. I still have not bought any because... I've been trained living in America, but in China, they have the three white powders. They have sugar, salt, and MSG. They really do. Uh, okay. So for me, you have to have soy sauce or tamari if you're gluten-free. So you have to have that as a base. You have to have sambal, which is the best chili paste. It's called la jiao in Chinese. Those two, and you have to have a good vinegar. Either the black vinegar from Qingjiang, black vinegar, or just a good rice vinegar. Those three, because vinegar... 
adds brightness to anything. You need salt, and that's your soy sauce. And then spice is the spice of life. So those three. I thought you were going to say ginger in there, but okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> you said pantry. So That's true. Pant- fresh. Ginger is fresh. To, yeah. to, to point, your point. Okay, Okay, Thanksgiving- we're fresh. Scallions, ginger, garlic. There you go. Half All right. Thanksgiving's around the corner. Yes. Give us three tips for Thanksgiving. Okay. One, you have to brine your turkey. Okay. This is how you do it. No one has a fridge big enough to put a... 18 pound turkey without putting everything else in it. So get yourself a cooler, a clean cooler. You fill it with water, at least two thirds, knowing that the turkey is going to put water up, right? So two thirds, you put equal parts of kosher salt and sugar until with no turkey in it yet. You taste it, it tastes like sweet seawater. Everyone knows what seawater tastes like, so sweet seawater. You drop your turkey in, it has to be submerged. You then take non-toxic frozen gel packs, right? Not ice, because ice will melt and dilute it, but non-toxic frozen, four, six of them into the water. You close it 24 to 36 hours. So you put it in your garage, because come November, your garage is usually cool enough, but the gel packs make sure it stays, you know, stay safe. That's how you brine your turkey. It doesn't get turkey juice in your fridge, because that's the biggest pain. No one, my wife included, wants to see raw turkey juice anywhere. That turkey comes out. You pat it dry, season it, oil it, butter it, however you normally do it. Cook it normally. It'll cook about 20% faster, but your breast meat is going to be juicy beyond. Mm. And I like the Julia Child way, which is hit it super high, 500, however high it goes. Get it colored like it's ready to take the picture. Then put a foil tint on and go way low, like 250 for three, four hours, depending on the weight. Mm. And just check it, right? Every turkey's different. Everyone's like, just keep poking with the thermometer. It's got to be at least 150, high 50s, because it will carry over five degrees. So don't go to 165. That's too much. 160 is where you try to hit. You pull it out at 155. It will, in 30 minutes, be at least 162. Right, so let it, and the other key, so that's key one, brine your turkey. Key two, let your turkey rest. Never take your turkey out and start slicing. You'll see all the juice come out. It has to hang out a half an hour. It's a half long time. It's, it will stay, How do you keep it hot? It will stay, oh, turkeys are so huge. It okay. stays hot totally. <laughs> oh, you can go 20 minutes if you want. All right. But, but you want it to rest, because then some juice comes out, but the rest stays inside. That is absolutely key. Okay. And three, my biggest pet peeve. It is okay to start cooking for Thanksgiving a day before, but don't be making your stuff two weeks out. I've seen people, oh, my green beans are done. I'm like, dude, it's October. <laughs> what do you mean your green beans are done? Right? I mean, seriously, it's Thanksgiving. And just, just you do have to make some things in advance, right? I do my, you know, you can, you can make your sweet potatoes and stuff, but they can't be five days old, right? Please, no, a day old, two days old max. <laughs> but definitely do stuff in advance the day before so those can go into the some oven and you don't have to worry about it because the hero is the turkey don't blow it make sure your turkey is delicious the rest doesn't matter okay although everyone else says the fixings is much more important than the turkey family very important to you and you have been quoted as saying about your parents you showed me how to eat travel cook love work and live most importantly you showed me how to raise children. I'll be a true success if I can give my children what you gave me. Is that your definition of living your best life? Yeah, I think so. That's an old quote of mine, but um, I, I still say true to that. I think the, the best thing I've ever done in my life is have children, hands down. There's, there's just nothing better than children. I mean, marrying Polly, of course, but you, you, you see yourself, at least 50% of yourself in each kid, right? All we tried to do, and I think we succeeded, is make sure they were kind 
children. Respectful and kind. There is no greater feeling than watching your kid, watching him do something kind or do something amazing to, to whoever it may be, um, and then hearing back from other adult friends that, did you know your son did this or did that? Yeah, I mean, I, my, my parents, I, I said this earlier, I, I'm so blessed. I've always had food and shelter, and my parents insisted on education, and they took us around the world to see the good and the bad in the world. And, and that so molded my whole value system, so molded that you have to make sure that everyone in your network, which is not just people that you ask stuff from, but people that help you get to where you were, mm -hmm. your whole network, that you always treat them with respect and kindness because they're the ones that will help you get to the top of whatever you're trying to climb. They'll be there for you if something goes wrong. But if you didn't treat them well on the way up, they're going to just let you fall. And, and I think that it's definitely in my DNA, and I can probably say it's in my kids as well, right? Just, yeah. And, and Sarah Livesey, who you know, she was the GM of Blue Dragon, who's in heaven, unfortunately, at her young age, but she would just kill you with kindness. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what the problem was. She would come with her big smile and diffuse anything. I mean, even drunks, which is sometimes hard, but she would just kill them with kindness, and you can't argue with that. Mm. Folks, if you want to learn more about Ming and stay in the know about his upcoming shows, you can go to mingsbings.com, and we'll have that link for you in our show notes. Again, that's mingsbings.com. Ming, so much fun to have you here today. Thank you, and Liz. I want to thank you for sharing your passion for not only cooking, but for life and for kindness, and spreading that message to the rest of the world. Thank you, Liz. And thank you for having me on, and thank you for doing everything you've done. And I've, I have watched your career. I mean, we, we were, I don't know, 25 years ago, I think oh, we yeah, probably met, least. right? <laughs> right? You were not, you're, you, congrats on what, eight years, right? Your eight company? years with my business. Which yes, is amazing. And I, I'm sure you would agree, it's the best thing you ever did business-wise, right? To yeah. do your own thing, be your own boss, Everything falls on you, all the highs and all the lows. But because you're good, there are more highs than lows. It's not for the faint of heart. No, 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 no. <laughs> But it's no. a good thing. <laughs> yes. So congrats on your success. Thanks, Ming. And congratulations on all of your success. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. I invite you to subscribe, write a review, share this podcast, or any of our shows with your friends and family. And may this podcast inspire you to live your best life. Until next time. Be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.